So as we are now moving in our Advent series, we are now in the second week, and Advent is, as has already been said, this time of preparation. Advent means arrival, it means coming. And we are celebrating, we are commemorating the, the first coming of Jesus to earth as, a, as Christ child 2,000 years ago. And in Advent, we are looking forward to his second Advent, to his second coming. That as that Christ child came as a baby, he will return as a king. And we are in preparation for celebration of his birth as a baby and in his coming as a king. So last week, Pastor Ben led us as we looked at this victorious hope that we have and that we celebrate this year. And that hope, as we looked at it, was found in Luke chapter 1 as we looked at the story of Zechariah and of Elizabeth and how uh, God showed up in their lives in a miraculous way. And we were led as we looked at the story of their lives in this season to see how we can have a victorious hope as we focus not on what we see, but as we focus on what is unseen. When we look at what we see, we often see limitations, we see struggles, uh, we see things that seem to be impossible. But as we fix our eyes on what is internal, God opens the door to things that go beyond what we could even hope for, whatever we could imagine. And this hope is so connected to faith, it's trusting. Uh, Faith is that confidence of what we hope for, the assurance of what we do not see. So we were led to have this hope, and as as we have this hope, we can stand in that hope because we have access into the very presence of God that the veil has been torn and we have access to his presence at every moment and we can allow his life to to grow and to thrive in us. So this week, what we're going to be looking at is victorious peace. Victorious peace. Even as I say it, I feel like we should just have a quiet. Do you sense his peace? I'll admit that there are times in the quiet that I sense his peace, and there are times in the quiet that I feel very, very uncomfortable. In fact, I want to point to just Wednesday night here in the worship center in prayer. I was leading that time, and uh, it's a beautiful time that we have. We want to invite you to come on Wednesdays at 7 here. We have an hour uh, in prayer together. And... um, As a facilitator, I often like to lead in quiet at times. In fact, at the beginning, before we say the serenity prayer, I love that time of quiet. But then during the prayer, there were times of quiet that honestly I felt like I'm not leading well. Nobody's praying out loud. And that quiet can be uncomfortable. And thank God he prompted a sister to pray a prayer that said, thank you, God, for the quiet and the way that you minister through it. But peace is such a central part of our celebration of Christmas because we often want to, pre- want to prepare and present environments that feel peaceful, that feel quiet. One of the, the high points uh, for many this year, I believe, will be at the Christmas Eve service when we have the, candle, the candle, candles lit across this place. There are no other lights on except those flames. And it is so peaceful. It is so beautiful. It's a representation of the light of the world, Jesus, and our light shining. But it's this peaceful, peaceful time. And Christmas is a lot about peace. In fact, as has been shared, this scripture from Isaiah chapter 9, the declaration of the prophet is this, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this the prophecy of Isaiah. Then in the account that we have in Luke chapter two to the shepherds, we have this this declaration. The scripture says that suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in in the highest heaven and on earth, peace on those on whom his favor rests. 
peace on earth. Do you see it? When you look around, do we see the manifestation of what, what was declared to the shepherds on earth peace? Remember last week in hope, we were instructed not to look at what we see, but to look at what is unseen. But the thing is, is that we can't help but see what we see. We can't help but see the broken world that is around us. There's a story that's become very popular this season. And it refers to a story that ha- to something that happened on Christmas Day over 150 years ago in the midst of the Civil War. It was on Christmas Day, 1863, that a great American poet looked at his life and he looked around himself. He heard that declaration, peace on earth, but didn't see it. He didn't feel it. In fact, what he saw, what he felt, what he heard, seemed in direct opposition to this this declaration of peace on earth. He hadn't had an easy life. In fact, he had experienced a lot of loss in his life. He was married, and his wife, when she was 22, they'd been married about four years, had a miscarriage, and a few weeks later died. Lost his wife at a young age. A number of years later, he remarried. They were blessed with six children. But the youngest, one of them died as an infant. And they now had five children. Over two years before this Christmas day, his wife, uh, through an accident in the home, burned. Her dress caught on fire. This is in 1863. Her dress caught on fire. He, was, he heard her yelling, he went in and he tried to extinguish the flames with his own body and he could not save his wife. She perished and the wounds that he experienced by trying to save her on his hands, on his face prevented him from even being able to attend her funeral. He had experienced deep loss. It's 1863. Their oldest son, he had vowed to his wife that, that, she, that he would protect their son from going into the Civil War and fighting on behalf of the Union. But the son had slipped away and felt called to fight. So his son had entered the war as a soldier without his father's consent and challenging that promise that he had made to his deceased wife. It was about a month before Christmas that Charlie was shot. The bullet went, uh, it entered one part of his shoulder and came out underneath the other shoulder blade and just barely missed his, his spine. Severely injured, fortunately not paralyzed. And this great American poet is sitting on Christmas Day and looking at what he's seeing, feeling what he's experiencing, and wondering how is there peace on earth. And that Christmas Day, 1863, he wrote these words. In despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow knew all too well that life can challenge this declaration of the angels, peace on earth. And we can feel that same challenge. Not only do we look around and see a world that seems so absent of peace, that conflict, that attack invades our lives and touches us personally. Does this sound like we're heading towards victorious peace? This is heavy, it hurts, it's real each of us can identify with, with this in some significant way. But Jesus, but Jesus, the arrival, the advent of Christ changes everything. And what we're going to do is dive in deep, I trust, into our hearts and souls. And I don't know what you carried in with you this morning, For those that are joining us online, I don't know what you're sitting in and what you're dealing with right now. But there is a God, a Prince of Peace, 
who wants to touch you and to minister to you today. You know, maybe you came in and you feel, yeah, I'm a pretty peaceful person. I can, I'm at a pretty good place. Praise God. God has more. You may have come in and you're hearing what I'm saying. It's like, yes, I can identify with that despair, that frustration. I can't imagine having peace. God has a gift for you this morning. So I'm going to lead in prayer. I didn't realize it would be this hard. Because I, I often rest in peace. Like, God gives me a peace. But there are times that I've said that it doesn't just come to me. Like, I need to fight for it. Well, even as I prepared this message, God showed me a different way. And what I'm praying for is the supernatural. What I say cannot change what you're feeling except the Holy Spirit grabs hold of the words and touches your heart and your mind, your emotions, your being. And I believe, and many in this room believe that it can happen. So I'm going to pray for miracles. And I'm going to invite others just in your hearts to pray for miracles as well. There's a living God who is present and desires to minister to you and bring about miracles for his glory. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this moment. We thank you that not one of us is here by chance, but by your divine call, by your divine purpose. And Lord, we present ourselves before you and we pray for the supernatural. God, we thank you that your word is alive and active. It pierces to the very depths of our being. And God, we invite you to do that work in every one of us. Lord, that you would touch us in the deepest part of our being, that you would bring revelation, to, that our eyes would see, that our ears would hear, that our hearts would receive, that our minds would be open. So God, we do pray for the miraculous. And Lord, we in advance give you thanks for what you are about to do. God, we thank you for the seeds that will be planted, for what will be watered, for the fruit that will come. And it is all you, it's only you, it's the only way it can happen, is you. So it's to you that we give glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name, amen. Are you ready for a miracle? This is not hyping you up. It's bringing us down. In fact, I'm going to point to what that means in just a moment. But peace in the Old Testament, that Hebrew word is shalom. And it's often defined as nothing missing, nothing broken. There's a completeness. So, so the nothing missing, nothing broken is saying what it's not. But listen to this. If it's nothing missing, that means it's totally complete, right? If it's nothing broken... That means it's totally fixed. And that's what shalom means. It's this fullness, this completeness, this settledness. But the thing is, it's not just passive. In fact, there's something about that word, that Hebrew word, that is active, that is proactive, that it's not just something that, that I experience, but then that goes out from me, that is shared with others. And that's the peace, the shalom, that we are desiring not just to experience, but to embrace and to have live within us and to live through us. So there are three things for those that are note takers. The next three minutes, you can be done. <laughs> Please don't leave. <laughs> but here are the three points that we're going to be looking at this morning. We're talking about victorious peace. And peace is victorious in three things as we look at, this, at the Christmas story this morning in Luke chapter 2. Peace is victorious as we rest in God as supreme over the kingdoms of this world. Victorious peace happens as we rest in God as supreme over the kingdoms of this world. Secondly, we experience victorious peace as we allow God to rule in relationships. Peace is victorious as we allow God to rule in relationships. And thirdly, peace is victorious as we submit to Jesus' reign in our hearts. Victorious peace comes as we submit to Jesus' reign in our hearts. Now, I'm, I'm really going way out here. Like I said, I'm, I'm going to give you a whole lot up front, and we're going to unpack these. We're going to be coming back to each point. But I want you to look at what's happening. Remember I said that, that I oft, I've often said that there's times that I need to fight for peace? You see how peace, though, is, is achieved? Go down that list. It's by resting, it's by allowing, it's by submitting. And the way that I fight 
is I fight on my knees. You heard that lately? <laughs> is that it's not a fight that I can, can push through. It's a, it's a fight of, of getting out of the way. It's a fight of, again, resting, of allowing, and it's of submitting. And what does all this point to? It points to God. It's about the power, the supremacy, the rule of God in all things. We want peace. We need to settle ourselves under the rule and the reign of God in every dimension. World, relationship, self. Do you see that process? It's overall. I can't make God, I can't fight to make God be ruler overall. He already is. I just need to rest in it. We're going to see this as we go down through these points, and there's three questions. First of all, again, what we're pointing to is not, it's about victorious peace, but understand this, that it's not about a feeling or an emotion, it's about a person. If I want peace and I'm going for peace, there are levels of peace that we can find because there's the beauty of, the, of creation and of what God has made, that there are elements of peace. But I can only have true and lasting peace as I find it in the person of Jesus Christ. So yes, I'm seeking for peace, but if I truly want to embrace and live in peace, it has to be in the person of Christ. So there are three questions I want to encourage you to be asking as we walk through this. And I believe that these are key to us understanding mentally but also receiving in our hearts what God wants, uh, wants us to see and to know and to embrace. So as we're walking through this today, I want to encourage you to be asking these questions. Where am I looking for security? Where am I looking for security? Secondly, where am I placing my trust? Where am I placing my trust? And thirdly, how am I surrendering to find peace. How am I surrendering to find peace? Security, trust, and surrender. These are the ways that we will find what we're talking about, what we're looking at, to be personal and life-changing. As we ask ourselves these questions, say, God, help me to find the true answer in my life. Reveal to me, and by the power of the Holy Spirit and in his word, he will do that very thing. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, first 20 verses. We're going to begin with verses 1 through 4 that say this, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register, so that Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. In this passage, I want us to see this first point, that victorious, peace is victorious as we rest in God as supreme over the kingdoms of this world. Now last week, Pastor Ben shared with us from the first chapter that, that King Herod was mentioned. King Herod was the king of Judea, the Roman king over the, over the area, the region of Judea. This begins with, with the declaration that in those days, Caesar Augustus. Now, I want you to look at what happened. We went from a local governor, a ruler, the king of Judea, to Caesar Augustus. You see the change. He was the ruler over all the Roman Empire. In fact, he was the first Caesar of the established Roman Empire. He reigned for 45 years. And under him... The Roman Empire flourished. In fact, it was on its way to becoming one of the greatest empires of human history. This is Caesar Augustus. He was considered to be a son of a god. And when he died, the Senate declared him, declared him to be a god. This is the power of Caesar Augustus, Roman emperor. So we read that Caesar Augustus ordered a census to be taken of the entire Roman world. This was quite possibly for tax purposes. And this impacted Palestine, who was part of the Roman Empire. So Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, took his pregnant wife Mary to Bethlehem to register. Joseph was from the house, the line of David, which led them to the town of Bethlehem. 
what Caesar had no idea was happening was that this great Roman Empire was making a decree that would fulfill a prophecy of 600 years earlier. Do you see it? The great Caesar Augustus was making a decree that would fulfill a prophecy that had been made 600 years earlier in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Think about this. There would have been no reason for Joseph and Mary to leave Nazareth in Galilee, travel south to Bethlehem in Judea, if it were not for Caesar Augustus' decree. God was using an emperor. God was using the one who was of highest authority of government in the world at that time. Caesar made the degree, decree that, made, that brought this prophecy to fruition. Romans 13, chapter 1 says this. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority. I want you to hear that again. There is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Does it mean that they are godly? No, not at all. In fact, the Roman Empire later was going to become a great persecutor of the church. Thousands upon thousands of Christians would be crucified. Does it mean they're godly? No, but they are under God's control. They, they are being used to fulfill God's purpose. And this, this Caesar was a person who was used by God to bring about God's purposes. We who are in Christ should understand that every authority has been placed in his or her position by God himself and for God's purposes. We struggle with that. We look back 2,000 years and it's like, how could God have placed Caesar where he did? But God did and it was to fulfill his purposes. If it's true then, it's true now. Do we see God as supreme over today's world powers? And do we have peace that he's using them to fulfill his word? Jill Priebus is going to come now and share a life story about how God has worked recently in her life. All right, good morning, everyone. So I have the honor of sharing a personal testimony that came about from Pastor Jeff's recent Wednesday night victory equipping series on winning the battle for your mind. His teaching had a profound effect on me. I'm excited to share that with you today. For a while I've known that there was something blocking me from deepening my walk with the Lord, so much so that I recently asked a friend to be a prayer accountability partner for me. I asked her if I could text her daily to report on how I was doing with spending time in the Word and with Jesus, and she happily agreed. However, what I didn't realize at the time, this was still me trying to fix me with me. Here's the real problem. I know that mornings are the best time for me to be in God's word and in prayer. What I had been doing is going to my phone first thing in the morning and reading political news. Before I knew it, I was spending an hour on my phone and then would only have five to 10 minutes in the word and with Jesus. In doing so, I had no inner peace that you would expect from being with God and in the Word. Thank goodness for God's grace and His patience, this is now changing. What I found was God used the midterm elections, the election results, to magnify this misuse of time in a huge way. Pastor Jeff's teaching, in his teaching, he spoke about strongholds, and it hit me. The political obsession had become a stronghold. I've been going to political news in the hope that the cares of the world are going to be fixed and that would bring me peace. Ugh, as I say that, I now hear the insanity in that thought process. Yes, I was praying to God about the state of the world. I was surrendering my fears. 
but it was not long-term sustainable because I wasn't recognizing the stronghold the enemy had me trapped in. Jeff reminded me in his message that strongholds create unnecessary pain to make me ineffective in my calling. This convicted me big time. I know my calling is to be used by Jesus to be his light and hope in the dark world. And the enemy wants to diminish this. We'll know more. I stand firm and I declare I put my hope in God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, which is where I have eternal citizenship by his grace. I belong to God and not the world. During Pastor Jeff's teaching, he spoke of praying God's word through tapestry prayers. So a tapestry prayer is defined as allowing the Holy Spirit to write you a love letter using scripture that he's directing you to. God used Jeff's examples of tapestry prayers to help me in this process of healing and experiencing peace. Once God revealed the the political stronghold to me, I felt called to get on my knees and repent of my sin of putting politicians and political pundits on the throne instead of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. All of this was keeping me in a place of turmoil instead of a place of peace. I also felt compelled to spend some time meditating on Pastor Jeff's post-election prayer that he had given us examples of. The very first prayer talks about grief. It states, grief is a normal part of life on earth. We do grieve over the present state of this world, the satanic and the evil agendas that schemes against us. As I was reading this, tears of grief washed over me. I gave myself permission to cry. I've learned from experience the benefit of leaning into pain and feeling it and in my life, which will ultimately bring me to a place of peace. Surprisingly, I did not know I had so much pent up grief built up over the state of our country. I cried out to God in gratitude that he was showing me all of this. I felt so cleansed, full of peace and hope once the tears stopped. I felt the stronghold being broken. In that time of prayer, I surrendered our leaders and our country to the Lord. I also humbly asked God to remove my resentments towards our leaders, my self-righteous anger, and my self-centered, catastrophizing fear. God also showed me that it's difficult to do this battlefield work if I'm stuck in a stronghold. So then I decided to spend some time with the Lord and write out my own post-election tapestry prayer. I would like to share my tapestry prayer with you now. This is from Psalm 62, 5 through 12, and it's from the New Living Translation. Lord, thank you for reminding me to put all my trust in you. You say to wait patiently and quietly before you. Lord, thank you that you alone are my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. Thank you, Jesus, that my victory and honor come from you, not a Republican, not a Democrat, or a political pundit. Thank you that no matter who wins elections, you will always be my refuge and my rock where no enemy can reach me. Jill, when fear gets triggered, remember to trust in me at all times. Pour out your heart to me because I am your protector. Common people are as worthless as a puff of wind, and the godless politicians of the world are not what they appear to be. Remember, Jill, your strength comes straight from me and no other person, place, or thing. And the good news is, I offer unfailing love. And I repay everyone according to what they have done. And thank you, Lord, that you are a God of justice, and that is not my responsibility. Lord, as I step out in my day, I'm committed to trust you with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding because you already understand and have the answers. So I did not realize at the time, but through the process of writing out my tapestry prayer, God was doing the very thing that Pastor Mark stated in his first point this morning in this teaching. Peace is victorious as we rest in God as supreme over the kingdom of the world. My tapestry pair is being used to restore God's peace in me, and I am so thankful for this. So where am I now? Over the past three weeks, I've gone to the Lord with this tapestry prayer when I feel the old fear is coming up. 
God is using it in a powerful way to restore his peace within me. During the Thanksgiving holiday, I confess that I found myself falling back into old patterns. By the grace of God, I confess my behavior to my prayer accountability partner. I ask God to forgive me as well. I also fought off the enemy wanting to take me to shame and condemnation. Of course, the enemy does not want to see a stronghold broken. I was reminded of Paul in Romans 7. I long to do what is good, healthy, and right, but I end up doing the same old destructive things. The good news is I know I am not alone in this struggle. The Holy Spirit is alive in me, and he's gently reminding me when I fall back into old sinful behavior. Romans 8 has been such a good reminder as well that there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ paid the price once and for all. And because Christ died on the cross for me and was resurrected in three days, he is alive in me. I also know that I cannot overcome the stronghold in my own strength. It's only by God's grace, his love, and forgiveness that I will be transformed to be more like him. So as a result of all of this, I'm finding my morning time has returned to a sweet time with Jesus and revitalized craving to want to know him and his word more deeply. Because the stronghold is no longer blocking me, I'm reminded of Revelations 3.20. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. I'm hearing his voice, I'm opening the door, and we're sharing a meal together. And this is truly victorious peace. I'm grateful for what God is showing me. I'm also grateful to know that it is all by his grace and all for his glory. And thank you for letting me share. Do you see it? Jill is a miracle. The work of God in her life is miraculous. It challenged us to believe for miracles today. And this is a testimony of the miracle of God. Praise God, stronghold's been broken. And Jill has been ushered into a place of peace that she was not living in a month ago. By God's grace and for his glory. So we need to remember, big picture, that peace is victorious when we rest. Hear that. When we rest in God is supreme over the kingdoms of this world. But what happens is, again, we get focused on what we see, and the kingdoms of this world seem so big and so powerful that we miss the reality and resting in the truth that God is over all, that he is supreme, he reigns over all. So let's get personal. Are you allowing the systems of this world to rob you of peace? Are you investing too much of your attention in the brokenness that is around you and not resting enough in the God who is over all of it? If you're answering yes, do not hear condemnation. Receive invitation into rest. Receive this invitation for a stronghold to be broken, and for you to find a place of peace and rest that can only come from God. You realize that God is over all, and there will be a day when the kingdom of this world become the kingdom of our God and of our King and of our Christ. So as we, as, as we see and embrace this truth that God is supreme over all, we find peace, we find rest in our souls. So we're looking at the big, we're looking at the overall, now let's bring it down closer to our relationships. And as we look at these verses, it sounds so peaceful, it sounds so easy, it sounds like there's no challenge. We're gonna look behind the scenes a little bit more, but let's look at this passage in Luke chapter two, beginning with verse five. He, that is Joseph, went there to Bethlehem to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, she wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And here we have that second point. Peace is victorious as we allow God 
to rule in relationships. You're saying, Mark, like, how do those two fit together? Well, didn't it sound so peaceful? Oh, they just leave Galilee. They go to Judea. Jesus is born. Do you realize the turmoil that they were walking through as a couple? When we put the accounts of, of Matthew and of Luke together, we realize that, that two young people's lives were being interrupted. They were being put in places that, were, that could cause great upheaval within their lives, within their relationships, within their family, and within their community. Angel had appeared, Gabriel had appeared to Mary first and, and, and declared that she was going to be pregnant with the Son of God. And she was like, well, how can this be? I've never been with a man. And he explains the Spirit of God. Well, when you put the two accounts together, the timeline, we can't be 100% certain for this, but there's a good chance that Mary had this visit from Gabriel, went, as we saw last week, to visit Elizabeth, and it possibly wasn't until she returned to Nazareth that Joseph, who she was betrothed to, that means she was engaged, it was as solid and complete as if it had been a marriage, marriage, that it was at that point that Joseph probably found out that she was pregnant. You see what's happening here. Like, this relationship is not just, oh, this is wonderful, good, and easy. This is challenging on every level. No woman in the history of the world, before or after, would ever be pregnant as a virgin. And Joseph, the Bible doesn't say that he had peace, but he had honor. And he chose... He purposed to put her away quietly, to divorce her quietly. That was sparing her life. This is a lot of turmoil happening in two young people's lives. He was choosing to put her away, to divorce her quietly, to spare her life. Because as far as he knew, she had been with another man. As far as everybody else knew, she had been with another man. But the angel appeared to Joseph and explained what was happening. They still have choices to make as a couple. But they move forward according to God's word that had spoken to their hearts. They submitted to the Lord. They allowed him to rule in their hearts and in their relationship. And as a result, we read a few verses that are filled with peace. And that is what God is desiring to do in us and through us and between us. To find these places where we're hearing the word of God, that we're walking in the word of God. And even though there are difficulties, there are struggles, there are oppositions, there are things that could be misunderstood. There are all kinds of things that are happening relationally. As we choose individually to walk in hearing, listening to the word of God and walking in obedience, we will find peace relationally between one another as we allow God to rule in the relationships. God was so active here. And the peace that we read in those few scriptures can only happen as two individuals walk with God, allowing him to rule and submitting to him in their lives together. They were saying, in effect, God, you do what you want to do in my life and in this relationship. I'm allowing you and asking you to lead me in your way. And this very principle, as we look at their lives and how they interacted with each other, can be our guide and should be our guide and will help us to find victorious peace as we live in relationship with one another. Now, a foundational commitment that we have here at Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury is the Peacemaker's Pledge. And it's about how we go scripturally about walking as peacemakers and it takes us submitting to God. And the first, the first point, the first section that talks about uh, the glorifying God says this, instead of focusing on our own desires or dwelling on what others may do, we will seek to please and honor God to, by depending on his wisdom, power, and love, by faithfully obeying his commands, and by seeking to maintain loving, merciful, and forgiving attitude. So as we seek God, we will find peace. Now, is it a guarantee? If I do the right things, will there be peace in every relationship? I wish I could say yes. And in a way, I can. Relationally, there may not always be amending. Relationally, there may not always be reconciliation. But there will be peace if you are carrying it. Now, whether or not another person chooses to engage with that peace, we don't have control over that. 
In fact, as much as is possible, live at peace with one another. That means I need to give the opportunity. And as long as I'm giving that opportunity, there's a measure of peace in that relationship. Whether or not it's a return, whether or not there is, is that healing or reconciliation, I can bring peace to every relationship. Because the fact is, is that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, we did not see peace in, in every relationship because many were in opposition to him, who is the Prince of Peace. But he brought peace to every relationship. And God, through his power, can do the same for us. And one thing that has helped me among relationships with believers is to look at the eternal. Because there will be a day when all who are in Christ will live together forever. Do you believe that? When you're part of the family of God and you depart from this earth, you will be in the presence of God forever with all the others who are members of the family of God. And my goodness, if we're going to be together forever... We should, do, we should do a lot better <laughs> while we're here now, right? And that's not, it is a should. <laughs> I know we have to be careful not to should people. Um, but we should and we can by the power of God. God desires his peace to rule and to reign in our relationships. Now we'll come to this final passage. It's a longer uh, portion of scripture, but it's so familiar. And yet I want you to hear Again, the peace of God ruling and speaking through this. Beginning with verse 8. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph, and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And this third thing, peace is victorious as we submit to Jesus' reign in our hearts. The part that was underlined is that, that Mary pondered these things, that she treasured them in her heart. She was submitting to Jesus' rule and reign in her life. She had an inner peace in all that they had just walked through. And the struggles weren't over. They were about to be led into Egypt in order to spare Jesus' life. Coming back, they were going to be redirected from uh, going back to Judea to go back to Nazareth. Uh, and and the, tr- the, trouble, the struggles and the troubles were not over. But it was about letting Jesus sit on the throne of her life. Allowing Jesus to reign and to rule. What does that mean? It, sounds, it can sound very religious and very Christianese. But it's simply this. Is that we're called to allow Jesus to be the decision maker in our lives. We're called to allow him to establish the priorities in our lives. We're called to allow him to lead us where we are to go, what we are to say, what we are to do. For Jesus to reign in our lives means that we're submitting, that we're humbling ourselves to God and saying, I don't know it all, but you do. I don't see all that's, all, all the, I can't have insight. I can't see all that's happening and how decisions are going to impact other people and other things. But God, you do. And Jesus, I want to listen to your voice. I want to be walking in a way that's trusting you. Am I having my security in Christ or in me? Am I trusting in God or in me? Am I surrendering to my own way or to his way? The answers to those questions 
will either lead us to peace or away from peace. God's desiring peace for each one of us. A peace that passes all understanding. That verse said that, again, it's on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Isaiah 66, 2, listen to this. These are the ones I look on with favor. Okay, I want to go back and read. Again, the angel declared, on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And Isaiah, these are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. It's those that are humble before God and say, God, your way, not my way. Lead me, guide me, do as you desire. Now the thing is, is that when we think of peace, sometimes we think it is, again, nothing missing, nothing broken, but it doesn't mean that other things aren't coexisting with peace. We can have other emotions. We may have concern, but yet we can have peace in the midst of concern. We may have grief, but we can have peace in the midst of grief. When we look at Jesus, he experienced all the emotions. He went through the things that we do, yet he never stopped being Prince of Peace. Peace never stopped ruling in his heart. And that peace is what settles us, it's what grounds us. And in John 14, 27, Jesus said this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. God has something for every one of us that is so settling, so complete, so full, that it can only be him, the person of Jesus Christ. So I only read one stanza of that poem that was written on Christmas of 1863. But I want to read three other stanzas from that poem by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And do you remember that other stanza? It's in despair. I want you to hear what, what he's saying now. The same day, the same man, the same situation declares this. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to man. There is peace on earth, and it is in the person of Jesus Christ. That was 2,000 years ago. Peace on earth was Jesus coming to earth as a baby. 150 years ago, this great American poet discovered in his soul in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and he is here today. That same Jesus wants to speak peace to your troubled soul. So the thing is, this isn't just about us, it's about you. Victorious peace can be yours, can be yours, your possession, not just this morning, but ongoing throughout the rest of your life here on earth until you step into the presence of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Victorious peace can be yours. Simply rest, simply rest in the truth that God is supreme over all the kingdoms of this world. Victorious peace can be yours as you allow God to rule in your relationships. And ultimately, it comes down to this. Victorious peace can be yours as you submit to Jesus' reign in your heart. I want to take us back to a few weeks ago in this place. One of the nights of the discipleship training that Pastor Jeff led, there was a verse, a memory verse, that we were, we were taught who were here. It's from Isaiah 26, verse 3. It simply says this. It says that you, speaking to God, you will keep in perfect peace those whose mind is stayed on you, for they trust in you. That we have perfect peace as, we, as our minds are fixed or stayed on God. Why? Because it's in him that we place our trust. It's in him that, that we are finding that security. And it's to him that we are surrendering. God's calling us this morning to him. And in him, we will have, we will find supernatural 
divine peace. And it can be your possession both now and throughout the rest of your life. Let's pray. God, thank you for your presence here. God, we know that you have been working. Your word has been spoken. Your spirit has been ministering. And God, we want to respond to you, allow you to do everything that you desire. Prince of Peace, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we thank you that you are here, that you're calling each one of us to yourself, that you have established peace through your finished work on the Christ cross, that you have made the way into your presence, that we can have peace, we can have complete forgiveness of our sins, we can be made right with you, and we can rest in you in a way that goes beyond our comprehension. We pray, Prince of Peace, to now invade our hearts and our minds, our lives, God, in such a way that will bring you glory and honor, and we will experience the peace that passes all understanding. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we close with this song, once again, we would invite you to simply turn your eyes upon Jesus. If you would choose to do that through kneeling, through standing, through coming forward, please respond to him as he leads you.